you are now tuned in to Cup of Grind with Jada D. This is your daily dose of what's real in entrepreneurship. This podcast is intended for the new business owner, the person with a really good idea but not sure where to begin, and that person working at a job dreaming of the day that they can work for themselves. It's grind time. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your girl, Jada D. Y'all, we made it. Oh my God. I am so excited. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. Y'all, I want to start out by first just saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't believe we've really made it to the end of season one of this amazing podcast. Your feedback has been exceptional. If you have ever listened, liked, shared, subscribed, reviewed Cup of Grind, I will be forever grateful. I really appreciate the outpouring of love, which really inspires me to continue providing great content to everyone. I have learned so much this season, so I really hope that you have as well. Uh, My guest today is an amazing boss woman. Um, I'm speaking of Marty McDonald, the founder of Boss Women Media. Marty created Boss Women Media in 2016 as a personal need to connect with women who desired more. After great success from the first brunch in May 2016, she knew there was a need for women to collaborate together. In 2018, she left her corporate job of eight years to pursue Boss Women Media full time and make it a worldwide brand. She is on a mission to connect with women who want more, but not a little more, big more. If you've ever been afraid of big ideas actually coming true, if that's you, make sure you get ready to take notes. She's clearing up some of the myths about entrepreneurship and speaking truth to power on the grit, grace, and tenacity that entrepreneurship really requires. Check it out. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your girl, Jada D, and I am here with none other than the wonderful boss lady herself, Marty McDonald. What's going on, girl? Hey, girl, hey, how are you? I'm good, you know, just, you know, making it happen and trying to keep it moving, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally, you know, what's going on with me right now. And, you know, you've had a busy 2019 already, and it's really exciting, I'm sure, for you, considering we're not even halfway through the year yet. So, yeah. Oh, man. I, you just recently finished a huge event, a national tour, um, Black Girl Magic Tour. So I'd love to kind of talk about that. And what I really want to know about the tour first is, what's your takeaway? I would say, I actually, we wrote a, a recap of what did we learn on the tour. And um, it was interesting. I learned some things, but I learned a lot about the women out there, right? From city to city, LA, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, New York. Um, women are looking for more. They're looking for more tools, more resources, more community, and they're just hungry right now. Um, And this is an innate time in our history that will be pivotal, that people will look back at and say, do you remember 2019, 2018, when women were Mm -hmm. doing, right? Um, And so what I learned was, we're in a space to be able to give them that more 
but more in a way that's dissectable, more in a way that um, that allows women to have what, well, what's my next step? Because so often they feel really rah-rah and good, but then they leave and they're like, well, yeah. what do I go do? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think that that was probably the biggest takeaway. The biggest takeaway is that these girls are hungry. And 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 the the premise of it obviously is black girl magic, right? And so we've had events prior to where it wasn't just like inclusive to only one race or exclusive to only one race. But I think the difference is that our women are really hungry. Yeah. But the the part that's the disadvantage is that they just don't have the same tools and resources as someone who doesn't look like them have. Absolutely. And, you know, when you speak about wanting more, I would make the assumption that you wanted more for yourself, which is kind of how you ended up jumping and taking a really big leap of faith into um, entrepreneurship. So kind of tell us about that. And how did you make a decision that it was time for you to go 100 percent entrepreneurship? Yeah. So really for me, it was I worked in corporate America pretty much since I graduated from undergrad. And so it was me betting on myself. I had never bet on myself. You know, I had betted on what everybody else told me success looked like. And so I was tired of conforming. And more than importantly, I just didn't think I could do this for the next 20, 30 years. Like I had to figure out what my exit plan looked like. Mm -hmm. I had to figure out how I was going to scale and create something that I could sustain, like I could live and be sustainable moving forward outside of the next five years or the next three years or until I get to the next raise. I just didn't want to live like that anymore, just to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so I was just tired of being in a space where I had to play like an imposter, where I had to assimilate. I I desperately needed to be who I was and I needed to, um, the authority that that was okay. And so that's really why I jumped. I jumped not knowing even exactly what it was going to look like. But I just bet it on myself because I had never done that before. Wow, that's real. Do you remember like the day after, like when like you were done working, you woke up the next morning. Do you remember that moment? Uh, Yes, I replay the moment in my head all the time because it's funny because I really haven't slept since that moment. Mm. Right. Um, And I've just I've gr- I've decided that I'm going to grind through these moments, right? Through the moments when you feel lost, when you feel like, should I go bad? Oh my God, I don't have any money. Like what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. All of the feelings that you have of entrepreneurship. But I remember the day that I left, I felt relieved. I felt free. I felt like I'm Cardi B and I'm going to go live my best life. But I really did not know what that was, to be honest. You know, Mm -hmm. I had a vision of what I wanted to do. But man, it has it has surpassed what I even thought. And even the things that I dream up, Neil, I'm even afraid of saying it out loud because I'm like, what if that really is my life? What if these opportunities do come for me? How amazing would this be? You know, And, and me knowing hands down that they will, that it can be, and that it's possible. And sometimes when you just see the possibilities, it changes everything. Absolutely. So what are some myths about entrepreneurship that you'd like to clear up for people? Um, 
One of them is that it's glamorous. It's not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like people like, oh, my God, you you have a, all of this like free time and you can do this. And people like stunt on the gram and they make it seem like it's one way. But in actuality, right. it's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of pivoting when things don't go the way you think they're supposed to go. And those are just some of them, you know, on top of you not getting a paycheck every two weeks. Like the only only way you get a paycheck is if you go work for it. I have a whole different respect for corporate America because I so much I spent a lot of time in corporate America wasting time right on someone else's dime. And I still got a paycheck for it. Well, if you don't work, you don't eat, you know? And so, I mean, but people don't talk about that, right? Um, right. They they share their the highlight reel. They're really high, high moments. But they don't tell you on those days when they felt like giving up or they felt like, you know, going back and reapplying or whatever that might look like, right? People don't necessarily always share that. So those are the myths. Like it's, you have to be, you have to have grit, you got to have grace. You got to have tenacity. Like all of those things play. But to be honest, I was on the phone telling someone this this morning. I never knew how much I appreciated corporate America until now. I mean, I was up until mid- like midnight last night pitching this idea, making sure it was perfect, uh, making sure that I sent it over. Um, and I mean, this is this was a this is a pitch that would change my entire life. And so, but because I understood all of the rounds of revisions in corporate America and how many times I went back and rewrote a pitch deck over and over and over, I have a sense of appreciation. Corporate America was my school where I was supposed to learn how to play and do business. And now right. I get to actually take that into action every day on my own. Absolutely. And I and I think, you know, one of the reasons why I even launched this podcast was to do exactly what you just said, to kind of really talk about the real side of entrepreneurship and the, the less glamorous side that we don't often have a chance to hear people talk about. So going deeper into that, let's talk about a moment in where, you know, you were disappointed in yourself and kind of like, how did you grow from that? Girl, listen. You you got moments every day when you get disappointed, right? Over something. Um, sometimes with with me specifically, my moments of disappointment is when I don't delegate, right? And mm. I think that that's something that can be really hard for someone who's starting out, especially when they're growing something from the ground up themselves. Um, when you're bringing people on board and not being able to trust them with what they said they're gonna do, right? Right. I say for me, it's it's constantly reevaluating. Like we were in New York this past weekend for the tour and um, my luggage got lost and I was freaking out. Right. Like my luggage got lost. It had all the stuff I needed in it. Um, And so, I mean, as I'm human, I'm not perfect. You know, if I freaked out on somebody else because my I had lost control of the moment and I wasn't in control, right? And so yeah. um, there are times when I have to kind of check myself on on not being, I don't have to be in control of every single thing that's happening and that's okay. Absolutely. I think that's really important. And, you know, you just mentioning, you know, having people on your team. So I know that 
you know, in order to grow and to scale, you definitely have to bring people on your team. You have to delegate and things like that. But for you, as you have brought people on your team and as you continue to grow and will bring more people on your team, what are some of your non-negotiable qualities um, for anyone that's that's a part of your, your business and your team? For me, my I have two non-negotiables. If you don't know how to problem solve and you don't know how to critical think, I can teach you everything else. Yes. But I cannot teach you how to problem solve and I cannot teach you how to critically think. And if you don't know those skills, then there's no reason for you to be around me because I don't need to be the person that tells you step by step every single thing to do. I need you to know how to do that. You're like, I need you to know how to take a problem and create a solution, not Mm -hmm. take a problem. And you're waiting on me to create the solution, you know? Yeah, that's real. Yeah. And And so those, those really are my big two. Like those are my, the big two where I'm like, I cannot play these types of games. Other than that, I can teach you everything else. Okay, that's fair. I think that definitely kind of falls under like my what I just always say, just being resourceful, man, just figuring it out. You know, I think that's really important. So, you know, before you got into um, the before you got into corporate America, you know, before you went to college, what what did you want to be when you were growing up? I I always wafer between a couple of things. Um, I either wanted to be a fashion designer um, I wanted to be a doctor or um, I wanted to be a builder. And so, which is like all different ends of the spectrum. But I loved building things. I love like taking something from like ground zero and creating something. Like I was always fascinated with process, right? right. Um, and so I was, I was the kid who literally would take like – my dresser drawers and paint my dresser and like paint flowers on them and like make it look the way I wanted it to look. Like I was always that person. I would change outfits three or four times a day just because, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like that's just who I innately was. Um, My dad, my dad is a builder. Um, He builds custom homes. And so I always would go to see, um, you know, where he was at or I was with him on projects or things like that. So I was always intrigued by that. Um, When I went to college, I wanted to, when I decided, okay, I'm going to college, this is what I'm going to major in. I was going to major in fashion merchandising. And my parents were like, no, you're not. Like my dad was like, I'm not paying for that. And so (laughs) um, I ended up, he was like, so this is, these are your options. And he was like, so you can major in interior design and architecture instead and so that's what I that's what I majored in in undergrad then I went back to school and got my MBA but um even when you know I think about boss women media and how it's been created I've built it I'm still a builder right right so those skills that I had as a kid of making something come to life and creating something different are the exact same skills that I use in boss. And to be honest, boss does not feel like a job. It feels like I get to play every single day and create something to think of new ideas and think of how I'm going to bring this event to life and, and really put the right type of people with the right type of connections in front of our attendees. It never feels like work at all. So um, I attribute that to really what, you know, what I was born to do was to build. Yeah. And I know that, um, I think a lot of people as they, um, 
are building their own business. I think that, you know, just thinking about what you do with um, with boss women in, ha- in creating events and experiences, um, what would you say is like something that you didn't really know about event planning and creating those experiences for women around the country that you kind of learned about the event planning business? Because I think most people will, will have to execute some type of event, you know, as they're launching and branding. So what's something that you were like, I mean, I did not know this about event planning, but I'm glad I know now. Um, I would say for me, the biggest thing was making sure that I, um, I put into place all the five senses. I don't think I necessarily, mm-hmm. um, understood the Disney of M- of effect, you know, mm-hmm. of Disney is totally capturing you when you get there to the time that you leave on in this space of what are you going to buy? What are you going to smell? What are you going to feel? What are you going to like? It, 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 it brings you on this journey. Right? right. And so event planning, all it is, is telling a story. And it's, it's what, what are you storytelling today? You know? And so um, I had to learn that. I learned it through my own and then I learned it by experiencing it and going to other people's stuff. And then you would be like, oh, okay, well, that shouldn't have went that way. Right. Right. It's a story that you're telling. And so um, I think that that that's been my biggest learning. And so me making sure that I'm constantly telling the story from the time that someone RSVPs to the event to the time that they leave the event. There's a story to be told within that entire span. Yeah. What does that cadence of communication look like for them? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's big. And I think that, I don't think most people think of it that way, but it is really important for us to keep that in mind and to incorporate those things so that you can make sure that your guests have an overall experience and not just going to an event. Um, Right. You mentioned, you know, how you when you did your your tour um and just in your the events that you do and the you know the experiences that you create on a daily basis but what can you what can we you say about um the the myths or the rumors that that people have put out there historically about black women and collaborating and not really being supportive of each other um how are you you know using your brand to kind of change that narrative yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a it's really a two pronged approach. It's me bringing black women to the forefront who have created and established. Right. Mm-hmm. And and me um, offering um, them as a lens for our women to look into their stories. Right. So that's really important for me. Um, to make sure that we're bringing, you know, women who understand our our mission of what we're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side of it, it really is what 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 type of energy are we portraying and how are we empowering women to make sure that when they come, they truly feel empowered. I don't ever want to capitalize on empowerment like that's not my goal in life. Right. Right. And so I think that so many there's a lot of brands that do do that, though, you know, and so if. You know, our check-in person is just as welcoming and as warm as, you know, whoever they have a touch point with. Like, that's really important to me because I know that I can control the energy of the space, right? Um, But then 
when you know our attendees are in the space that we talk about these stories that we talk about you know mindset shifting and we talk about the fact that there is enough to go around and that you need support and that you need a tribe and that you cannot be a one man show because if you do you will stay a one man mm-hmm. show and so um that's just really important for us we we talk about what does collaboration really look like i think that oftentimes Women just have burnt women and it's hard for them to just overcome and forgive more than more than anything. Just forgive. Right. And so we want to showcase that before we ever tell you that we want to showcase what empowerment looks like, inspiration look like, motivation look like. And then you're bought into it versus us expecting it from you and we're not doing it. Yeah, that's real. And you you said something that made me think about a lot of people that are, you know, starting in a business or brand and they want they want a, a village or a tribe and they want people on their team. But what would you say to someone that's kind of they've, you know, they they started their business, they want to grow, they want to scale, but they're having challenges of finding people that align with their vision and are excited about it. Of course, they may not be as excited as you, the creator, but like, what would you say to someone that's trying to, to build a team? I mean, the the best advice that I could give someone who's trying to build a team is that um, if they don't have your heart and they don't have your passion, they'll never be able to tell your brand. And so sometimes we're trying to force, you know, a square peg in a round hole and it just doesn't work, right? So you have to be around people, number one, that brings you value and that you bring them value. That's it, it's always a two way conversation. It's never a one sided conversation. It's not, well, I'm going to hire them and this is what they're going to do for me. Well, what are you going to do for them also? Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a benefit for both. That might be I'm hiring them because they're an intern. I'm going to give them training at this moment, right? And they're going to learn and they, they might grow with me. They might not. Or I'm going to bring this person on because her strengths are, you know, logistics. But someone else, um, but I'll be able to give her some soft skills that she needs to incorporate. See, it's always a two-way street. It's never this one-way street. And I think that that's when people kind of mess up with people that they're hiring. It becomes selfish. It becomes, what are you giving to me? And the other person isn't giving anything back. Yeah, I agree. That's absolutely right. So what keeps you motivated? Um, Let's see. That's, I mean, I think it, it changes by seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, my motivation is that I have something to prove, not to anybody else, but to myself, right? That's my motivation right now. Like my motivation is that I have something to prove to myself and I'm not going to break the promise to myself anymore because I have before, so many times before, and I refuse to do it at this stage in the game. I think for me, I can say that I too, when I create a goal and I'm challenging myself, I'm usually more successful than when I'm trying to prove it to someone else. So that's a good way of thinking about it for sure. So yeah, you 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 have already done a lot. You continue to you know to grind it out and get things done. And I know you're con- going to continue to do great things. But how do you want to be remembered? Um, I want to be remembered by changing the way women connect. Okay. That's, that's, 
you know, if someone said, uh, Marty, you know, really did make an impact. I mean, the testimonies that we get from women who come to our events and the things that they have to say, it's I I've done my part a little bit in changing the way they connect, connect with the resources that they have, connect with um, the women that they're surrounded with um, and just connect with, you know, tools that empower them. And so that's really I mean, it's real simple. I mean, it's simple but complex, yeah, right? Yeah. I I want to change the way women connect. That's awesome. And you are doing it and will continue to do it. So I do this thing called a Mogul Mount Rushmore. Okay. Here you pick four people, dead or alive, that have influenced you or impacted you in a way, you know, to where you are in business now. Um... Number one is my grandmother. She died when I was seven years old, but she made a tremendous impact on my life. I mean, she taught me um, etiquette and manners and just how to show up and be a woman of integrity. And um, I will carry those life lessons with me my entire life. She made a huge impact on someone who was only around seven years in life. And so um, I will forever be grateful for her. Mm. I love stories of women who had nothing and turned it into something. So some, one of my favorite, favorite stories right now is Katrina Lake, the founder of Stitch Fix. I mean, she didn't come from this wealthy family, um, but she created a billion dollar brand and is the youngest woman to create um, a brand that's a public company valued at the at the amount it is. So I I, I really I love stories like that. Um, obviously, my Angelou, I just love her words, her wisdom. Um, I love how she formulates um, words and just puts them in a, in a space where they're still relevant today. Right. And then, um, I would say the last person on my list really is, it's a mix between Sarita. I mean, Serena, I don't know where Serena, I, I was just reading something <laughs> about Serena Jakes earlier. I don't even know where that came from. Serena and Oprah. Um, I think I'm going to go with Serena. I'm going to go with Serena because, um, the odds are always against her, but she rises above anyways. Right. Um, they, they portray her in such a negative way, but yet she rises above anyways. And there's something about a woman who can rise above and have grace, even when everybody tries to make you seem so unhuman. Mm, and so that's something that's a word. to be in. That's a word right there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say those are my four. I like it. I like it a lot. Before we get out of here, last question I have for you is, do you have any regrets? Um, I would, I say the only regret, I wouldn't even say regret, right? Like it, everything's a learning lesson. Um, so I would say I don't have any regrets. I wish mm -hmm. that I knew what I knew sooner than later. So if I know if I had known what I know now four years ago, I would be in a, a totally different position. But I mean, life doesn't necessarily work that way. And so you know what you're supposed to know at this very given moment, and who you're supposed to know at this very given moment in time. Um, and that's all the information that God is trusting you with right now. And when it's time to learn more, you will. So I don't necessarily say I have any regret, any regrets. 
um, I always just try to look forward, you know, and, and take everything really as a, as a learning lesson and, and how do I can implement it just to make myself a better person and make the people around me better people. I completely agree with that. This was good. This was real good. Um, and I thank you so much for your time. Where can we find you on social media? Yes, you guys can find me. Um, my personal account is Marty Motivates on IG, but then you can find Boss Women Media at Boss Women Media or our website, bosswomen.org. Perfect. All right, Boss Woman, keep on doing what you do. And again, I thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. Thanks so much, Jada. Appreciate it. Are you done playing games and ready to get out of your own way? Good. Go to jadadavis.com today to join my village, download your free startup checklist, and schedule time to speak with me during a free strategy call or think tank. That's J-A-D-A-D-A-V-I-S.com. And as always, shut up, keep grinding.